with with supplements, if you're taking something that it has a huge uh, and noticeable you know impact on your performance um, or your mood, probably there's going to be some sort of crash. So think of high dose caffeine or think of uh, dopamine precursors, um, t- take an excess, uh, things like that. And so uh, basically our, our, our thesis is to combine these things in appropriate uh, dose ranges that are sustainable and repeatable over the long run and uh, basically synergistic combos that, that nudge you in the right direction. So you feel noticeably better, um, but in a way that's basically created by raising your baseline. So it's not like we're biasing the system, pushing it above some threshold and you're noticing this huge uh, performance, um, you know, a spike and then dip. It's more like you're supporting all the systems that contribute to, to healthy performance. And because you're doing that in a way that's synergistic and holistic, then you get this uh, natural performance boost that increases over time. Three, two, one, yeah! Welcome to the Performance Rx podcast, the ultimate destination for anyone who wants to perform better in the gym and live a better life outside it. Whether you're just starting your journey or you're a seasoned pro, this show covers a wide range of topics to help you reach your potential and live your best life. Each week on this podcast, I'll be bringing you expert interviews, personal stories, and actionable advice to inspire, educate, and empower you to reach your goals. So hit follow, grab your headphones, and get ready to take your health and performance to the next level. Hey, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Performance Rx podcast powered by Aspire to Coaching. I'm your host, Bridget Maroney, and today my guest is Zach Schreier. In January of 2021, Zach Schreier and his childhood best friend stepped into chicken costumes for an appearance on Shark Tank seeking support for their startup Quavos, a brand of healthy egg white based chips that are low carb and high protein. They walked away with both a $200,000 investment and $200,000 line of credit for 10% equity from Daniel Lubetsky, the founder of Kind Snacks. While most of us wouldn't bat an eye at snacking on a few Doritos during lunch or going for that second slice of cake at a birthday party, Zach's early diagnosis of type one diabetes forced him to be vigilant of foods and its effects from a young age. He co-founded Quavos as a freshman in college and in 2019 opened the doors to Lifestacks, a fitness forward company that capitalizes on nutraceuticals and other superfoods to support intermittent fasters in their daily pursuit of well-being and elite performance. Hey, really quick, I wanted to let you all know about something that I've been using for my own hydration and health and wellness routine, and that is Liquid IV. So Liquid IV is a category winning hydration brand that fuels your well-being. And I'm telling you, the hydration multiplier is the one product that you're missing in your daily routine, especially right now. It's starting to get warm. We're starting to sweat more. You're losing electrolytes. You need to be hydrated. And with Liquid IV in just one stick, you're going to get five essential vitamins and it's going to be two times faster in hydrating you than water alone. So you can use it first thing in the morning, you can use it before your workout, after your workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, if you know what I mean, um, and on long flights. Speaking of travel, one of the things that I love about it is the fact that it has very, very convenient packaging. So like I said, it comes in these like little sticks here. I throw it in my backpack, I throw it in my gym bag, in my carry-on, I'm able to take it out, I'm able to to pour it into my water and get that hydration that I need. There's no mess. It's not messing around with these big clunky bags or anything else like that. Super simple, 
super tasty with all the different flavors they have. Strawberry lemonade is probably one of my favorites there. I'm addicted to it. And, you know, beyond that, if you know me, then you know that I'm all about companies that stand for something and are trying to make the world a better place. And that is one thing that Liquid IV does. So they believe that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. So Liquid IV partners with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their future. And to date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in over 50 countries around the world. So one thing that I want to offer to you as a listener for the Performance Rx podcast is 20% off. So you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code PerformanceRx at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop for better hydration today using promo code PerformanceRx at liquidiv.com. So check it out, get some hydration going. Now back to the conversation. Welcome, Zach. It is such a pleasure to have you on the show today. How are you doing? Doing great. Uh, Super excited to be with you. Yeah, likewise. Um, We were just chatting for a few seconds before I hit record and um, I'm very excited about this conversation we're about to have. I think, you know, as I, as I said, I guess to just, you know, kind of say point blank, uh, very much looking forward to turn ner- to nerding out with you, <laughs> if you will, about, uh, some of these topics. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess, you know, to kind of just begin, um, of course, you know, we did a little bit of an introduction before the conversation started, uh, with your bio and, a lot of people probably recognize you from the show Shark Tank. But I guess, you know, beyond that, is there anything else that you would want to share with uh, with my audience or with the listeners about yourself and really about, I guess, kind of what got you on to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur in the health and fitness space and your own health journey? Yeah, sure thing. Well, uh, for members of the audience that saw the Shark Cake episode. Um, I was on that show pitching uh, Quavos, uh, which are chips made from egg whites, and really created that product because I'm a type 1 diabetic. And so low-carb snacks are really you know, pretty ideal for people like me. Um, but actually today, I'd love to talk to you some about my, my new venture. Um, actually, it's a couple years in the making, but we're really just hitting the market uh, over the last few months with uh, our latest offering. And basically, uh, what we do at Life Stacks is create supplements that are delicious, energizing and uh, support long-term long-term health and wellness. So we've got a whole set of philosophies around uh, each of those elements. Um, and then specifically, I think it could be interesting to talk about the way that that plays into the fasting lifestyle. So we've specifically designed our supplements to support intermittent fasting. We saw that there was sort of a gap there in the market um, where there was not a lot of products that were actually helping um, you know that lifestyle work even better. Um, and as uh, a faster myself, that was very interesting to me to design products with that in mind. And I like that you you brought up you know your whole philosophy around fasting um, or around supplements there because I think I think that's an important thing that a lot of people don't take into account when they consider supplements <laughs> because and and I don't know I don't know what your opinion is and, and, and you know would would love to you know hear your thoughts on it but it's like supplements 
can definitely be one of those topics that is a little controversial, <laughs> I guess, if you will. It seems like, you know, at least, uh, you know, on like kind of like the surface level, there are a lot of people who are absolute advocates for it and, and, and they, they see the value. And then there's a lot of people who completely dismiss it. And especially coming from my my world and in the in the world of of fitness and nutrition especially there's people that are like oh don't take supplements there you know there's no need to just focus on whole foods you know a pill's not going to solve everything and i'm i'm definitely one of those people where i'm in between like certainly you need to have that foundation of lifestyle habits of good nutrition of solid sleep but just given the way our world is like our food is not as nutritious as it was, you know, when our grandparents were were our age and so on and so forth. So there is a lot of value in supplements, but the point that I'm trying to drill down to, which I again I like about your your approach to supplementing is it does need to be part of a lifestyle. In other words, like you're not just going to take vitamin D one day and <laughs> have it resolve all of, you know, the issues or, you know, optimize your body the way it needs. It needs to be a consistent thing. And so if someone isn't enjoying the process or doesn't have a way to integrate supplementing into their life, it's, it's not going to be successful. That's for sure. Yes. Um, well, I'm a, I'm a frameworks guy. So I really like to kind of understand uh, make, basically uh, in the broadest strokes, why something makes sense to do or why it doesn't, and then zoom in on the specific uh, details. Um, so uh, yeah, with, with supplements, we've thought a lot about really why we should have them. Uh, and I should say, this is thinking and, and reading. Um, and kind of being a, a node in this network of, of health information um, and synthesizing what we're hearing from other experts on the frontier. So that's really where we come in, um, sort of like like anybody else trying to make excellent products, uh, learning as much as we can about you know what's, what's available right now, what makes sense to do based on the latest uh, information in biology and overall nutrition and health. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're definitely interested in frameworks, and I think that can actually be pretty informative for helping people guide their choice of supplements and the lifestyle around it. Um, so, you know, specifically, uh, well, I love that your podcast, uh, you know, is, is long. That gives us some room to talk about things in, in detail. So I'll share a framework that um, is sort of my overarching framework for addressing a lot of different areas of, of life and health, um, which is basically that function is the flow of energy through structure. Uh, so I can unpack that some. But as we think about, um, you know, our health, what what is health? It's really the ability to, to live uh, well, so at capacity, um, meaning, you know, to be able to do things, to be able to, um, you know, engage meaningfully in the world, to feel good. All these things are sort of the, the function um, that, that comes from, uh, from having a body and a healthy body. Um, and so how is that function created? It's really the flow of energy through the structure that is the body. So that's basically metabolism through structure equals outcomes or equals function. Um, and basically, as, as we think about supplements, uh, there's basically interventions at, at each of these points um, that different supplements uh, essentially allow. Um, so for a structure, your body is made of stuff. And so uh, the supplements that contribute to that structure sometimes can uh, basically help us keep our tissues healthy for longer. So for example, if you don't have enough of the um, recommended daily allowances of different vitamins and minerals, you'll definitely show signs of deficiency. Um, and so that's degradation of the structure due to not having these necessary components. Um, but then there's also basically optimization that can happen on, on the metabolism side of things. So that would be basically having compounds like carnitine or even uh, creatine or certain nitric oxide boosters, things like that, that basically enable uh, metabolism to operate better, more cleanly. Um, and all that leads to better functioning. 
um, so that's sort of those. The, that's the broad strokes uh, set of ideas that we like to think about um, with in the context of supplementation. Again, I, I like that you emphasize the whole optimal thing because, of course, this is a conversation that gets brought up quite a bit throughout the health and fitness industry. But it's like you go to the doctor, you get your blood work done for a lot of different things, um, but you, even including so, some certain mi- vitamins and minerals. And as you pointed out, there's there's a certain threshold where it's like you're either deficient or you're within range. And, you know, as people have made comments on like the whole range in our world is like it's it's very broad. And a lot of times people think that, oh, I'm not deficient, so I'm okay. I'm, you know, healthy. Again, what is health versus like, well, no, you actually want to start trending towards that more optimal side of things. I'll use myself as an example. Uh having also myself uh, an autoimmune disease, so I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. It, it's such a tricky thing because if you look at, and this was a conversation I had with several doctors, but when I first got diagnosed, my thyroid was quote unquote, a little bit out of range. And well, if you looked at the blood work, it's actually quite a bit out of range. But again, like, what's that, you know, sick versus optimal. And so it was a little bit where it was like, I wasn't completely sick, I guess. But again, was I optimal? Absolutely not. And as far as the autoimmune side of it, this was the conversation I had with the doctor is like, well, what about, you know, Hashimoto's and the potential of an autoimmune disorder? And she's like, well, that point doesn't matter. And so anyway, long story short, that's kind of the the tricky part here. And I think going back to like supplements, especially thinking about like vitamin D, that's something where, you know, you have the RDA, but again, deficient versus optimal is, those are two entirely different stories. For sure. Yeah. I, uh, this reminds me of, um, in high school, I, I asked an anatomy teacher, basically, you know, how, how would the, how would cavemen have gotten their RDAs for all these vitamins and how could this be really essential um, given, you know, the, the variety of, uh, of uh, nutrient density in, in the diet um, and the variety of diets across time? He basically said there's a huge difference between surviving and thriving. And so, um, you know, you could survive, but suboptimally and have your health degrade faster than it should. Um, but thriving might entail actually having, having you know, re- truly adequate amounts of, of these different things. Um, there's also something pretty helpful to keep in mind, which is that uh, when it comes to nutrient concentration, it's definitely not binary. So even if, let's say you've got this range of, you know, 30 to 100 nanograms per deciliter for concentration of, of D3 in the blood, I think I got that right. Um, you know, what's the difference between 28 and 32? Um, one is in range, the other is out of range, but uh, it's, it's a continuum. And, um, so, you know, uh, keep in mind the way that physiology works, which is it's, it, these are not serial processes where... Um, the body takes one thing and then another, and since you've met the, the range, it combines them in the appropriate amount and you're healthy. It's, um, you know, these interactions are diffusion-based. So, you know, all these things are just in, at some concentration inside of your blood or inside of your cells. And then there's these incidental interactions between the components, and that leads to the creation of new uh, compounds, um, for example. And so uh, having a higher concentration will lead to a higher, uh, you know, a, a basically num- greater number of interactions between these parts. And so, um, you know, that, and that can go to excess. So if, you, uh, for example, if you were to have too high levels of B vitamins in your, in your blood, that could actually support the growth of cancer, for example. Um, and so, uh, yeah, you, you know, it's not binary, I guess is, is the main point here. Yeah, no, absolutely agree. Um, yeah, I mean, just like with anything, it's, it is possible to, to, to overdo, you know, kind of going back your diagnosis with 
type one diabetes kind of basically sent you like, well, it was really the catalyst for just, I would say your entire life and where you are now. And I have to just really quick, just, just say, I, I applaud you because, you know, kind of knowing a little bit about your story and, and knowing like, you know, the trajectory of, of, you know, what you've gone through um, to where you are now, like, it seemed like you used that, that diagnosis there as, as an opportunity to take control of your life. And I appreciate that because that's something that I, I often talk about with, with clients and people is just like the whole idea of, of empowerment. So, you know, we go to, we go to coaches like myself, we go to doctors and everything. And of course, you know, there's, there's a lot of guidance and everything that they give us, but at the end of the day, we are all in control of our lives and we have to take a certain amount of responsibility. So yeah, I would love to hear more about kind of your journey in that way. Sure. Well, I, I love that you mentioned empowerment. Um, that, that's definitely a, a, a key piece of the framework that we use for thinking about what we're doing with supplements and other lifestyle interventions. Um, it's also sort of how I view like being alive, actually. Like, um, you know, you have this resource, uh, which is like, you've got your time, you've got your body, you've got whatever sort of social capital and phys physical capital and, and monetary capital is available to you and your network and all that. Um, and then it's just like, how do you use that to get the outcomes that matter? Uh, I think it's really important to actually realize that, you know, while this endowment that we have is not in our control, so we didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't choose the body that resulted in type one diabetes or whatever it is. Um, uh, the actions that I take, you know, starting right now are, uh, under my control to some extent. Uh, so that, that's really the, that's the, that's the room we've got to play with. Like that's the, uh, the sort of value of being a decision maker and a thinker, um, is that you actually do get to shape your trajectory through the world, uh. So yeah, I, I think that, you know, I think over time the type one diabetes has sort of become this source of um, of empowerment for me. Uh, it's really just sort of put health front and center, um, which you know it, it, it's implicitly at the center of everything for everybody. Um, but making it explicit actually allows me to sort of act on that. Um, uh, you know, maybe with a little more resolve than than most people tend to. Um, so yeah, I think that, that you're right that that has sort of catalyzed these different businesses. Speaking of your businesses, let's kind of go back to, so you mentioned, you know, so again, you, you started with, with Quavos, um, and that's what, how a lot of people may know you, but you're actually, as you mentioned at the beginning of this episode, you're, I guess it's launched now, Lifestacks, your current venture, we, yes? We launched, yeah. We, we did a, um, so basically, uh, I'll talk about the product a little bit, um, so uh, basically, uh, a couple of years back, we started looking into the supplement industry and just thinking about what sorts of things um, you know we could take that would add value to our days. And pretty quickly, we realized that supplement stacks uh, would would go farther than individual supplements. So stacks are just co combinations. And part of the thinking there is that um, typically, if you're going to get a huge impact from one compound, it's going to be uh, fairly unsustainable. So think of you know think of this whole class of things like drugs. Um, Drugs basically shift the system in such a way that you can notice these pretty immediate impacts, um, and then there's a downregulation that happens, and then you, you end up being worse off for having for having uh, you know introduced this roller coaster of peak and valley, um, where you know be better probably just to stay away and and not modulate the system that way because it, it's going to create these deficits in the long run. Um, with with supplements, if you're taking something that it has a huge uh, and noticeable you know impact on your performance um, or your mood probably there's going to be some sort of crash. So think of high-dose caffeine or think of uh, dopamine precursors, um, taking excess, uh, things like that. And so uh, 
basically our, our, our thesis is to combine these things in appropriate uh, dose ranges that are sustainable and repeatable over the long run and uh, basically synergistic combos that, that nudge you in the right direction. So you feel noticeably better, um, but in a way that's basically created by raising your baseline. So it's not like we're biasing the system, pushing it above some threshold and you're noticing this huge uh, performance um, you know, a spike and then dip. It's more like you're supporting all the systems that contribute to, to healthy performance. And because you're doing that in a way that's synergistic and holistic, then you get this uh, sort of uh, natural and um, natural performance boost that increases over time. So that was sort of the, that's, you know, how we came up with life stacks um, and how we started to, to formulate our products. And then we realized that um, most people don't want to add pills to their day. Uh, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to be a, a zealous supplement consumer right now, you're probably sourcing your own powders and weighing them out, doing your own research. And we realized that we wanted to basically invite more people to benefit from supplements without ha- them having to go through that sort of hassle of sourcing their own stuff and doing their own research. And uh, the, the easiest way to get people to um, you know, adopt something like that is to offer it in delicious and intuitive formats. So our thinking was basically to take an energizing supplement stack and uh, add it to coffee. So we created a, an added coffee product that's MCT-based um, that basically just cr- provides all the energy in a sustainable way. Um, and then the last piece uh, of uh, evolution, our evolution here was basically the realization that, as I mentioned earlier, that, that fasting is pretty undersupported um, from a product standpoint. Um, and you know, as fasters ourselves, uh, myself and my, my co-founder, Vincent, uh, we wanted products that, that were synergistic with that lifestyle. So we chose MCT as the base of our Add to Coffee product. MCT is a, a healthy fat that is ketogenic. Um, so it just it basically uh, allows the body to, to burn more fat more quickly. Um, and then uh, the supplement stack is delivered on that base of MCT. Um, and of course, it's all delicious and tasty so that your coffee ritual is upgraded really holistically. So much to unpack there, or so much I want to unpack there and just make comment on. Just kind of talking a little bit more about the the, the supplement part there, because I think you brought up some really great points. And then I want to get into the, the intermittent fasting part, because again, as I mentioned, or as you and I were talking before I press play on this, uh, this episode, uh, as a nutrition coach, I would say I probably use intermittent fasting more as a tool to, you know, for, for body composition outcomes and, and goals and things like that, uh, which they're, you know, that's one of the reasons why people get interested, but you mentioned it as a lifestyle and, and that is, I, and you know, that again, going back to your whole inspiration behind lifestyle stacks, like it is something that I think a lot of people want to adopt as a lifestyle, but it's, you know, it can be very difficult to do intermittent fasting just without any sort of like support there. And like you said, it's very underrepresented. I mean, there's, there's a couple of companies out there and, you know, you mentioned MCT oils, but again, like that whole stack, um, you know, the synergistic um, ability, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So just going back, there's people like myself and then like yourself um, that, you know, we'll go off and we'll do our own experiments and (laughs) on ourselves and we'll explore this supplement and that supplement and we'll do the research. But I think for the for the majority of the population, they may not be as keen on that. So kind of recognizing the thought or the idea that anybody, a lot of us can and do benefit from some sort of supplement routine, but it's not just one, right? A lot of them do work synergistically. So I love that idea. And I love the idea that you said uh, that because my wife is one of those people, 
they don't want to take a bunch of uh, a bunch of pills. Again, I make my own supplement stacks and I'll just, you know, <laughs> down a handful of pills every morning. But the majority of people aren't like that. So I, I love that approach there because as I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, like it's not going to happen just from one day of taking these supplements or even one week or it's it, it really is a lifestyle. So definitely, you know, I get appreciate and, and really like that, that that's your approach with life stacks there. And then yeah, the whole delicious thing. So I'll use a, a quick example. Um, and I won't mention the brand's name. <laughs> but um, there's a so another, a, another supplement that's gotten um, a lot of interest lately is, is collagen, right? A lot of people put collagen in their their coffee every morning. And you know, again, it's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you know, I think it kind of, for me, it kind of has all of those elements that you're talking about, like it definitely has the long term health, health effects which I'm interested in. And then also it's just like that in the moment, like it's just something nice to put into my coffee and enhances the flavor of it. I enjoy it. I digest it easily, et cetera, et cetera. So the point I'm trying to make here is that there's obviously, again, dozens of collagen supplements out there, but the one particular one that I enjoy, I do it again for all of the health benefits, but really it's because I enjoy the taste and I enjoy how it (laughs) mixes and mixes really well. And and that's it. So again, I, I I guess just kind of like commenting on that, making it more accessible to people. For sure. Yeah, I think that's why um, some, uh, maybe I won't mention the brands, but if you think of some uh, popular greens at this point, um, you know, that that's, uh, that's, I think a lot of what the success is, uh, just like enjoyable and convenient um, ways to cover these bases. Um, that's actually a main part of the message for uh, certain companies like that. Um, so yeah, that, that's something that's very important to us. Like we, we really do care about the consumption experience. You know, if you think about all your habits, there are things that you have to do at some point in time, which means like your physical body and mind have to be actually like attending to that thing that you're doing. Um, and like, you know, whether it's enjoyable or dreadful. Um, and then of course there's like the immediate impacts and then the long-term impacts. So at LifeStacks, we really do care about each of those prongs and we've optimized consumption experience, the way you feel and the long-term health impacts. Um, I'm curious, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, taking a handful of supplements in the morning. I'm curious what, what you're taking at this point and, and why. I'm trying to think off the top of my head now. So I take I take a, um, a CoQ10 and PQQ combo pill. So again, kind of one of those like, yeah. Um, and it's interesting that you bring up like, you know, short term or in the moment performance versus like long term performance. Because again, like that's one of my own, the way I see things like, Caffeine example, like you take caffeine, take a high dose of caffeine, thinking about like the fitness industry, which, you know, I had a whole conversation with this with, with another podcast guest, um, just it, it, it's, it can be very detrimental to your health. So going back to like what you said, like, you know, some of these, these supplements that we take are good for us. <laughs> some of them aren't so great for us, but um, talking about CoQ10 and PQQ for people who are not familiar with those supplements, those are, those are supplements that contribute to our mitochondrial health and our cognitive function. And so I like to make the argument that those are performance enhancing supplements, because again, thinking about my long term performance, like, how am I going to perform like, okay, so maybe it's not going to give me the jolt that caffeine would to go to the gym today. But 10, 15, 20 years from now, when my mitochondria health and everything is still online, and I have that sustainable energy to go about and do like, 
that's what I'm, I'm, I'm all about there. So, so definitely take that every morning. Um, you know, I mentioned the beginning of the episode D3, you know, I live in Colorado. It's pretty sunny here, but we're getting into the winter months. So it's definitely an important supplement. But as I, as I also mentioned, um, you know, having an autoimmune disease, you know, being able to keep my immune system online and working properly is super important to me. So that's something I take throughout the year, just kind of fluctuate with the dosages there. Obviously, side note to anyone listening, this is just what works for me. I work with my doctors, I get my blood tested and everything else like that. So another supplement, and it kind of depends on the the season, <laughs> if it's like cold and flu season versus the summer, um, I'll kind of go back and forth. But glutathione is one. And again, that's a tricky one that you want to find like a good high quality supplement for. But that's one that I'm taking currently because I was just coming off of getting sick and it is cold and flu season. So just trying to keep my uh, immune system robust. But for the other majority of the time, I'll take an acetylcysteine. So NAC there, which is the precursor to glutathione. Oh, magnesium, of course. Yeah, magnesium is always a great one. Um, you know, again, that's something where you could get tested, but that's something just like vitamin D, where like the majority of our population and our food is is very uh, deficient in it, and anyone can benefit from it. I mean, from everything from your heart rhythm to muscle contractions to deep restful sleep, uh, it's 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 a super important one. Yeah, I mean, those are those are the big ones melatonin. So my so talking about sleep stacks or talking about supplement stacks, that's one opportunity where I will use uh, supplement stacks to kind of get the most out of it. So as I already mentioned, magnesium is great for restful sleep. Melatonin is also um, a supplement that works effectively for me. And so I'll take certain sleep stacks that have those supplements in them, the melatonin and the magnesium, but then they'll also have other things like, uh, was it like holy basil or was it tyrosine? I think, um, tryptophan and and everything else like that. I kind of like go back and forth between certain formulas there, but, um, yeah, those are, those are probably the big ones I would say. Thanks for asking. Nice. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, a uh, few thoughts. Uh, the first is uh, actually PQQ and CoQ10 were in our very first product, Flow. Um, and for, for the reason you mentioned, like the mi- mitochondrial biogenesis, uh, I'm definitely hoping to, um, we didn't include them in the, in the creamer because the creamer, uh, the, the MCT rather, um, is uh, more of the, of the sort of um, cognitive function, sort of brain, brain health side of things. Um, and uh, we're also, you know, limited by uh, solubility and flavor, um, you know, when it comes to what we can include in, in an add to coffee, of course. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely interested in, in formulating with CoQ10 and, and PQQ again in the future, um, actually in combo with uh, lipoic acid and carnitine as well. Um, so yeah, de- definitely a fan of that sort of stack. Um, uh, same here with magnesium, like that's for, for the reasons you mentioned, like soil, soil depletion and, you know, kind of just the modern lifestyle, uh, just calls for more than, than we tend to get in our diets. So um, I'll, I've actually used quite a few different forms of magnesium, um, including malate, citrate. I've tried magnesium threonate, which I found really nice for like uh, mental clarity. Um, and, and people use that for sleep as well, actually. Um, and then recently, very recently started, oh, uh, glycinate, of course, which is I think the most common form. And then recently started uh, with sucrosomial magnesium. Um, which is just, uh, apparently a very, very available uh, form. It's also very flavorless. Um, so 
uh, yeah, maybe um, in the future, LifeStacks will have some magnesium in some of its products. So. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested or I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad you brought up three and eight because that is something that I would be curious to experience myself. Like you said, like, first of all, just don't worry if you, if you're new to magnesium, <laughs> just take it. Just don't, don't worry about it. Um, Cause you know, any, any form will, will, will work and, and help with a lot of functions in your body. But for those who uh, want to get a little bit more nuanced with their, their magnesium consumption, there are like, as Zach was mentioning, different forms. And there's, there's certain ones that I guess are more prone to, to helping with, like you mentioned, like the three and eight for cognitive function and things like that. So with that said, I was just making the comment that, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to try the three and eight. I, I haven't yet because like I said, I usually try it for for sleep, but that's good to know that it also aided in your sleep. I usually just use the glycinate. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, people uh, are, uh, Andrew Huberman recommended magnesium 3 8, theanine, and apigenin as a sort of uh, sleep stack. So that's, uh, you can look into that, I guess. I've taken it, I've taken 3 8 before uh, bed and had no issues. Um, but when I take it during the day, it's, it's kind of like a non stimulating clarity. Um, so just kind of more even um, and, and calm. Uh, so it goes well with work. It, it works for sleep too. You know, all these different forms, like, you know, you, it's, it's hard to go wrong with magnesium because uh, most, almost all of us need more of it. Uh, the only thing that maybe you do want to watch out for is certain forms like citrate can cause some distress, um, gastric distress. Uh, and so you want to your dose up, uh, you know, start really minimal. And if you tolerate it well, then you can increase. Totally. Yeah. As uh, Dave Asprey says, uh, disaster pants there <laughs> with some of them. So I guess talking about um, the the cognitive effects of, of magnesium and, and you mentioned, you know, your first uh, stack had the, the PQQ and CoQ10, but you also mentioned that MCT oil basically takes care of that. And, you know, again, there's only so much that you can put into a, a, a product there. Um, I'm curious because, again, this is one of those things where I think the general public maybe isn't aware of, but there's there's different types of MCT oil. And there's even a big difference between MCT oil and coconut oil. I'll, I'll admit, like... <laughs> Many years ago, um, I thought there was no difference. So I would just like throw coconut oil in my coffee or coconut milk. And I'm like, oh, I'm getting the same benefits. But that's not necessarily the case. And so I'm just curious if um, if there if there are like if there are specific forms of the MCT oil, like the, the capric acid or lauric acid or, or, you know, well, not lauric acid. That's not the one you want. But my point is, are there specific forms of MCT oil that you guys use for the life stacks? And like, what's your experience in their benefits or thoughts around their benefits? Yeah, for sure. So um, I guess just for some background on this, um, MCT is, uh, stands for medium chain triglycerides. And so what you're talking about with these different forms is the different chain length. Um, that are all technically medium chain. Um, so the popular MCTs are actually maybe by definition, the only MCTs are um, C6, so like a six carbon chain length, C8, C10, and C12. Um, and C8 and C10 are the most commonly used. Uh, C8 is the most ketogenic, and C10 has like some like uh, uh, basically um, antifungal, antibacterial uh, properties that basically help regulate the gut. Uh, so we use C8 and C10 in, in our, um, our uh, MCT products, uh, but I think C, C6 and C12 have some benefits as well. They're just a little less potent. Um, 
And so, you know, we're, we're using the, the sort of pure, most, most beneficial, most studied um, uh, MCTs. Cool. Yeah, I was just curious about that. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the C8, C10, like as far as like MCT oil products, they're like the most potent, as you said, and you know, people can kind of get some other benefits from the other types of uh, MCT chains. But it's, I think it, for the most part, you're like, as I mentioned, you're probably at that point better off just consuming coconut oil or coconut milk, even, you know, really fatty coconut milk. Right. right. That's like a of of the MCTs, um, but yeah, we're we're using like pure stuff for for the most potent impact. Uh, and uh, I guess just in terms of the, the functionality here, um, MCTs are um, shorter than your regular fats. So you know, many fats that we eat have like you know eighteen, twenty, twenty two uh, ch- chain length, um, and so they need to be digested um, more extensively than MCTs. MCTs get pretty quickly absorbed. And then uh, basically use pretty immediately as a as a fat fuel. So it's like if you want to basically support ketosis, MCTs are a great way to go. And as we're you know we're using MCTs for fasting for that reason, it's like supporting the metabolic health benefits that we're looking for when we're fasting, including ketosis. Um, and then you know the other thing is like as you mentioned, fasting can be difficult. People have uh, hunger and and you know energy uh, lag and that sort of thing as they're getting into it. And so we think MCT is just a great way to, to bridge that gap, um, you know, give you, give you the energy you're looking for, give you a bit of fuel from those fats, but also support your body in burning the fat that it already has, which is, you know, a primary goal. Absolutely. Beautiful segue. So I was going to say, let's talk some more about uh, intermittent fasting there. So as you mentioned, consuming certain uh, fats like MCT oils and everything can help a body a physical human body or somebody, a person stay in ketosis, which, you know, is one of the reasons why a lot of people are interested in intermittent fasting. But at the same time, so those ketones from the fats give you energy to sustain or extend that fast. Beyond the MCT oils, like what are, how else could someone who, who really wants to make this a lifestyle how else could they support their fasting so that it's it's not so draining or you know not um, not as uh, pleasurable as it, as it could be? Yeah, sure. Um, so one thing that people use is is dietary fiber and specifically soluble fiber. Uh, part of the reason for that is that um, the microbiome will uh, or s- certain bacteria in the microbiome will take that fiber, and even though our bodies can't digest it, these bacteria can, and so they use that soluble fiber is a fuel source. And as a byproduct, they create short chain fatty acids. So this is like, you know, MCT, but even shorter. Um, and those short chain fatty acids end up being helpful in the body also. So that they're good fuel substrates um, for energy. Um, and they also have certain health properties. Um, so actually, uh, conveniently, our MCT is powderized and it's powderized using an acacia fiber. So uh, you get some of those medium chain triglycerides and the short chain triglycerides is a byproduct of that the metabolism of that fiber. Um, and then uh, other things that, that can help with fasting, uh, basically, you know, supplements that are going to um, increase satiety uh, and increase willpower. Um, those are sort of where what we turn to. Um, so in terms of satiety, caffeine's great. You know, I'm sure you've, everybody's noticed caffeine is, a, is an appetite suppressant. And, you know, if you're going to fast, it's better not to have to exert as much willpower to do that. You know, if you if you're spending your energy not eating, then what are you, you know, you're going to end up needing energy for other things that you're not going to have as much of. Um, and so, you know, we really love that 
when you get in the groove of fasting and take the right things, um, then it becomes not very effortful. So it's a great way to calorie restrict without feeling like you're restricting. Um, so caffeine's great for that. Um, and then in terms of other things that increase satiety and willpower, um, other dopaminergic activity and cholinergic activity can be good for that. So uh, we use tyrosine and citicoline. Tyrosine is a, a precursor to dopamine. So if you take tyrosine, you'll end up um, metabolizing that and having higher levels of dopamine in the brain. And then citicoline is uh, actually a choline source. Um, and it also upregulates the dopamine receptors. So you have like this sort of twofold impact like of a little more motivation, but also uh, choline is, uh, acetylcholine is the, is the learned neurotransmitter. And so by taking a choline precursor, you have more of that. So you're like more cognitively flexible and fluid in your thought. You're more motivated, you know, ready to get stuff done. And as a nice byproduct, you're not as intent on eating. And maybe you'll find yourself sort of working through the morning and not even thinking about food, which is kind of a couple of things. And I don't know if you know, um, I'm just curious. So you were talking about, you know, just with the, the choline, like the, the dopamine precursors, does that have an effect on the, the amount of cortisol uh, when fasting in, in your body? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, uh, I, I've not seen any research on tyrosine at our doses impacting cortisol levels, but it's something good to look into. Um, uh, you know, one thing that helps uh, with, with overall stress and, um, well, you know, fasting is a stressor. And so if you're stacking fasting with other stressors, like working out, um, for example, or maybe just stress in your, in your life, um, then it can get excessive and you can feel worse. Um, and so you, you do want to regulate that. Um, and make sure that you, you're, you're treating it like anything else, like you're, you, you're taking a, an appropriate dose of fasting. Um, so uh, we use taurine also, or taurine, I guess people, as how they pronounce it, in, in the creamer. And um, basically, uh, taurine has been studied uh, for a synergy with caffeine. Um, it lowers blood pressure. It's also, um, it's a conditionally essential non-proteinogenic amino acid. So basically what that means is it's something that your body makes some of, but you also need some of from the diet. And it doesn't actually go into the creation of proteins. It, it actually has its own functions uh, in the body as an uh, independent amino acid. It's specifically useful for skeletally active tissue. So any tissue in the body, I'm sorry, uh, electrically active tissue. So that's um, skeletal muscle. That's like the smooth muscle of the heart. Uh, it's the whole nervous system. And it basically, it's, um, it's inhibitory. So it, it calms hyperactivity in, in, in electrically excitable muscle. So paired with caffeine, like, it's, a, it's um, many people have probably heard of the, the caffeine theanine combo, um, which is um, theanine is relaxing. So it makes a really nice pairing with caffeine for uh, calm focus. And taurine caffeine is quite similar. Um, we find it, it's not as like a sedative. Um, it's more like, sort of like what I mentioned with magnesium threonate, kind of creates like this smooth uh, clarity. Um, and combined with caffeine, it's like you get this energy, but you also get this uh, smoothness that lets you allocate that energy um, really reasonably. So you're not sitting there like, shaking you're kind of able to focus on the task at hand and bring that extra energy to it i love that it's interesting again something that i'll have to kind of make note of and and look into some more myself but um i love the fact that you bring up and and that was the reason why i asked about the cortisol because yes fasting is is great and and people do it for for multitude of reasons and it can be very beneficial for people in their long-term health but like as you mentioned just like anything it can be taken too far and i guess i'm thinking specifically about women and intermittent fasting because because I think just like so many things um, when it comes to, to health and biology, men tend to um, thrive better 
um, on fasting than women. And and that's not to say that it's impossible. There's 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 plenty of women out there who fast and they do so very very often and and like they're thriving. But then there's some women like myself where you have to be careful. I have to be careful, especially as as a woman who does a lot of intense training too. So like you mentioned, you know, when you start stacking all these stressors on top of each other, it can be overwhelming. And I guess my point is, you know, I think just biologically women, you know, we're a lot more sensitive to to stress. And so maybe being cognizant of how you manage your, you know, these lifestyle um, habits here is a good approach. But also, you know, as you're mentioning, like having these other types of supplements or just um, strategies to support it. So it's not as overwhelming to your body and it, you completely crash and burn because that's happened to me. For sure. Yeah, yeah. It's good that you're mentioning that. Um, I think uh, maybe her name is Amy Shaw um, is uh, she's an intermittent fasting expert um, who does the right on, on podcasts and she talks about fasting specifically as it relates to women and and, uh, and monthly cycles. So um, that's a good resource, you know. As a as a guy, that's not something I have to think about. But um, you know, many of our customers are, are women, and they are fasting, and it's something they have to be conscientious about. Really quick, um, going back to the the fiber part. So um, that's something that I guess I just wasn't aware of. I, like I've I've definitely well aware of like MCT oils and things like that as a way to support fasting and caffeine and everything. But the fiber is kind of a a new a new one to me. And it, it makes perfect sense again, like increasing your satiety there. But I see a lot of commentary on the internet and. I see people like yourself that, you know, promote certain products, you know, for fasting, but then the, um, the criticism that comes back is like, well, you're eating food. So that's not really fasting there. So I guess I'm just curious to hear a little bit more about like your thoughts around that, but then also like, yeah, the, the whole fiber thing. Cause again, that's kind of a new one to me. Yeah, sure. Um, I think this, this sort of uh, whole area is I think often called dirty fasting. So fasting, but while taking things in, um, and so, yeah, as you said, how, how is that fasting still? Um, and basically, uh, the way we look at it is that there's uh, different kinds of fasts with different kinds of benefits. Um, so if you're talking about like this pure gut reset that, you know, basically like let, let the body, um, you know, clean itself out and, uh, you know, then you don't want to take anything in. So you don't want to have caffeine. You don't want to have fiber, fat, anything, because um, obviously anything you're going to eat is going to have to pass through the gut. Um uh, that said, you know, I, I don't think the idea of avoiding caffeine uh, or coffee is, is that appealing to people. Like, you know, if you're going to do something difficult, um, then you kind of want the support that you can get. Um, and uh, and the gut reset is not the only point of fasting. Um, there's, uh, you know, on the other side of things, there's basically the um, overall metabolic benefits of fasting, which come down to calorie, carb, and even protein restriction. Um, and so... That, that means you can take in fiber and fat and still preserve those benefits. Um, you know, we, we don't view fasting as binary. So we, we think of it as basically um, an energy balance and then the better metabolic pathways that respond to that energy balance. So it's, in a sense, it's a, it's a convenient way to structure consumption so that your body has a chance to use its own stored fuel, uh, fat, um, rather than, you know, be constantly taking in food and then never have a chance to use that stored fuel. Um, so, you know, basically using... Uh, six grams of MCT, um, and then uh, a few grams of fiber. It's not going to be enough calories to um, to uh, you know basically allow your body to only use the calories it's ingesting, 
um, it's still going to have to basically use its own um, data stores as fuel. Um, and using the MCT is just going to help, help to catalyze that that use of, of that as fuel. Um, so yeah, it basically comes down to what you're looking for. Um, and if you're just looking for overall metabolic health and and to you know swing the energy balance in your favor, then um, then fasting then dirty fasting can definitely be um, acceptable and helpful. Yeah, that's such a great point about um, you know the the amount of calories or or even you know nutrients that you get from that little bit of fiber, that little bit of fat there isn't it's it's not much there and and I guess like, you know, the, my point of just kind of bringing it up there and, and it's kind of true for a lot of things that you see on social media is people just, people just like to cut p- other people down and nitpick and, and things like that. Like, yes, technically you are consuming food, but you know, you think about like <laughs> how that's impacting your, your metabolism or, you know, the, the nature of, of the fast there, like, you know, come on. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Actually, one thing that's really popular um, in the in fasting circles and keto circles is talking about insulin um, levels. And so, you know, as a type one, I, I see this firsthand. Most people just have to, you know, assume that um, certain things are going to impact their insulin levels in different ways. But, uh, you know, for, for, for modern, uh, for people having the modern diet across the developed world, um, basically like excessive uh, insulin from excessive carb intake and a sedentary lifestyle um, leads to insulin um, desensitization. So, you know, high, costly high levels of insulin will lead your cells to be less sensitive to that insulin. Uh, meaning you're going to get glucose um, pooling in the blood for longer, you know, post meal, um, and you're also not going to be basically able to access, uh, utilize glucose for fuel as readily. Um, and then there's you know type two diabetes and other cardiovascular issues that result from that. So you know part of what we're we're interested in with fasting is the way in which it lets your insulin levels come down. Um, and so taking fat, um, taking fiber, um, those things won't spike insulin. They won't deposit a bunch of glucose in the blood that has to be responded to. So uh, yeah, I get to see that firsthand. Like I, I can have, I can have a handful of things during my fasting window and, you know, still watch my insulin needs diminish over that time. Gosh, you brought up something, um, or, or hearing you talk about that, uh, brought up something that I, I kind of want to ask. It's, it's a little bit off, uh, topic. Um, but just the, the, I guess, uh, rise in popularity for the, the general public, people like myself who don't have diabetes in uh, con- continuous glucose monitors there. Like you said, you, you see firsthand, um, you know, being a diabetic, like that's that's part of your life is just keeping an eye on all those levels. Um, and, and again, it's one of those things where I think it's, you know, people have their own opinions about. There's one side where I think a lot of people, it's it's a learning tool, right? Like you said, there's there's a lot of things that we can consume, including you mentioned uh, protein a second ago. Like that's that's something that you don't really um, advocate for during fasting because it can um, potentially raise your your your, your insulin or or your, your glucose levels there. But um, yeah, I guess the point with the uh, the, the, the glucose monitors is like for people who are otherwise healthy and have no need to, to continuously monitor their, their glucose there. I, I feel like it's been a, a, it is a learning tool for them to learn a little bit more about how these foods and, and everything can affect um, their, their bodies. But then, like I said, on the other side, there's the criticism of like, oh, it's, you know, it, it's pointless. Like, you don't have diabetes. Why are you spending your time worrying about this and everything? So I don't know, like I said, um, if you have any thoughts or, yeah. Yeah, I do have a thought. Um, I, I've, I've thought about this some in the context of, the, of some of the lessons that people take away from their CGM. Um, uh, ba- basically, 
there's been uh, I, I heard more about this maybe a year year and a half ago um, on like some you know health podcasts and um, and things like that. But pe- people were basically uh, talking about the glucose spike itself as this very damaging thing that had to be uh, regulated and minimized. So people would watch their sugar spike to say 150 milligrams per deciliter post meal um, and say, oh, look at that. Look how much damage I'm doing in this hour or two because my sugar's high and that's going to create all these downstream consequences. And so this discussion about the toxicity of glucose and denaturing proteins in the body and all that stuff. Um, what I have to say to that is basically, I think that's, that's, a, that's a, um, a symptom of, um, it, rather, glucose spikes post meal are a symptom of dysregulation, not a primary cause. So I think people are thinking of that as the thing that had to be avoided at all costs. Um, I actually think that that's actually just a signal as to what's going on in the body, um, but it itself is not that damaging. Um, and basically, I know this because um, uh, diabetics have uh, ex- extremely elevated A1C and have you know daily glucose spikes that are above the range that is you know normal for for uh, non-diabetic people. Um, and believe me, if 150 was was toxic, I would not be here. You know, type ones get to 300 or 400. Um, you know, I, and I try and avoid um, having my sugar spike like that, but uh, it's something that does happen. And many people even go months in a row averaging 300 milligrams per deciliter of blood sugar. So it's not lethal um, immediately. Um, there, there will be damaging consequences of having uh, chronically elevated glucose, but I don't, I don't think that's actually the thing that people have to worry about um, that are not diabetic for the most part. It's rather that if your sugar is spiking post-meal, it means uh, you know, a combination of these two things, that the foods you're having are high glycemic and and or that you're lacking insulin sensitivity or sufficient in, insulin production to take care of that glucose. So, you know, have a Coke, watch your sugar spike. The thing you avoid is not the sugar spike, it's the Coke. Um, and the sugar spike is just the is just a symptom of of having done something that was um, you know less less than ideal. Um, and so now if if you're if you're having regular, you know, quantities of carbs, maybe you're having, say, a cup of quinoa or something like that, and your sugar is gonna be elevated for a few hours afterward. That might mean that you're on your way to type two, um, so it might be a signal of you know prediabetes or, or type two diabetes. Um, but the thing to do there is um, you know not medicate the sugar spike. You know it's not to take more insulin, for example. Um, it's to basically modify your lifestyle so that you become more insulin sensitive and do what you can also to buffer the the uptake of those carbs. So maybe it's more fiber and more protein. Yeah, love that. Thanks for sharing uh, your perspective on that. Like, yeah, I agree with a lot of it there. Like, I think. As you mentioned, like the just the singular spike there is not like what people should freak out about or, or whatever there. It's what'd you say? As you said, it's it's the symptom, I think, right? Yeah, not the not the underlying cause. Yeah. Great, great, great point there. And and again, I I think that's like the critique from just a lot of just kind of just people in the middle is like, you know, as you mentioned, like for for any of us, our blood sugars are going to go up and it's, it's normal, it's natural, but it's like, is it chronic? <laughs> and again, it's not the fact that your blood sugar is getting elevated. That's the issue. It's the fact that you drank a two liter of Coke for lunch, <laughs> which that just, <laughs> that just sounds like a bad idea in general. <laughs> I don't know why I mentioned two liters of Coke, but there, there might be people out there who do that. <laughs> So we're, we, we've been talking about like intermittent fasting as as a lifestyle there. Um, and, and again, there's there's many, many reasons why people do it. Um, but another but for people who are active, that is always something that I think 
there's there's always questions around like how is this going to affect my performance how 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 can i because there are people who are physically active but are also interested in intermittent fasting for for a variety of reasons and it does you know as you mentioned there 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 is an impact cuz they're both, they're both stressors well you yourself are a distance runner and and i know like you know kind of looking at some of the um the people who have tried your products you also work with with different types of of fitness enthusiasts and, and, and athletes there. Um, I guess I'm just curious around, again, like, you know, your thoughts around approach to fasting for people who are physically active and seeking to also achieve like certain um, levels of athletic or, or physical performance there. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so definitely if you're doing intense physical exercise, that is going to end up bringing glucose. And that means you're going to want to have some glycogen stores. Um, uh, and potentially you'll also want to have glucose uh, or sugar or carbs, um, you know, around that exercise, um, to, to boost performance. So, uh, just as an example, um, if you're going to be running a marathon or an ultra marathon, you're definitely, no matter what your lifestyle is, you're definitely going to need carbs during, during that events, um, because you're going to use, you're going to burn them. And if you don't have that fuel substrate that your body's looking for, then your performance is going to be suboptimal. Um, so, you know, st- uh, it's, we're not like, uh, zealous avoiders of carbs, uh, or, you know, food around exercise for sure. Um, uh, you know, I, I do think of fasted exercise as potentially a stimulus, um, for training your body to burn fat at lower intensities. So, um, you know, if, even before get, really getting into fasting, um, doing certain long runs, uh, in a fasted state that, that was a stimulus that, that, um, I would use, uh, and, um, but that said, they wouldn't be intense. So I, I wouldn't be going to, tr- you know, try and do my hardest workout ever in a fasted state. Um, as I've gotten more and more used to exercise while fasted, now there's less of a discrepancy between, uh, you know, my peak performance when fasted and, and when not. And um, actually part of it for me is that I actually like to exercise on an empty stomach um, just for, just for like comfort basically. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I think that, that actually helps the, my faster performance somewhat and maybe offsets the lack of, of fuel. Um, so yeah, it really, de- I mean, it depends on what fuel you're burning, of course, cause y- you, you know, you've got pretty much everybody will have enough body fat to get through an easy session. Um, but then, uh, for intense sessions, you're going to be relying on carbs. So, uh, you know, it's important to, to be conscious of that, about that. Yeah. Great point. I mean, I mean, just like so many things I often say, you know, it just depends. It depends on what your goals are. It depends on what the actual activity is. Um, you know, it's yeah. Like there's, there's a very big difference between like, as you mentioned, like a long, slow, you know, not super intense run versus, um, something like a, two or eight minute, uh, hit session there. And, uh, you know, you brought up like, like, you know, for, for people unfamiliar, it's there, there's different energy pathways in our bodies. Right. And there's, there's the glycolytic pathway, which is what uses sugar. So if you are doing something intense, um, you know, like I said, uh, an eight minute hit session or, you know, Olympic weightlifting, powerlifting, then yeah, having at least those stores in your muscles in your body are going to be what what matters but yeah i i yeah i mean again you could definitely get health and performance benefits from maybe doing certain type of low intensity exercises um while fasted there just yeah yeah beautiful <laughs> for sure i i recently heard um somebody i think it was i think it was huberman basically say um 
uh, that uh, how dumb a design it would be if evolution selectively um, destroyed our muscle for fuel um, instead of basically using the fat that we have available. It's like muscle is really hard to build and uh, amino acids are a pretty poor substrate for fuel. And so, you know, fasting is not going to immediately start to burn up your muscle mass. It's something, you know, your body's going to want to keep that on and use its other preferred fuel sources first. So, uh, yeah, I'm personally not worried about losing muscle mass um, with with fasted exercise, um, as you're mentioning. Now, if you're gonna if you're, if you're starving yourself over the course of many days, then yes, you you can definitely start to lose muscle. But I think even um, even you know relatively longer fast, like three days, um, are, are you know you're not liable to end up you know destroying your muscle tissue. Um, you'll end up using your these preferred fuel substrates first. Yeah, <laughs> completely agree. Uh, really quick, I don't, I don't know if I mean you mentioned uh, like long fast, and and that's definitely something that people who are into the fasting lifestyle adopt is like these twenty four hour, forty eight hour. Like, have you ever done any of those? I mean, I don't know if if it, if it would be possible. Yeah, it, it's possible. Um, for you know, diabetics definitely have to be careful because um, over the course of a long long fast, insulin needs will drop really low. And so you don't want to be caught doing too much insulin in that situation, then you'll be forced to eat carbs. Um, so, uh, but yes, I, I have done a three day fast. Um, and the, the key there was to preemptively lower my, my, um, insulin dose, um, you know, in anticipation of those dropping needs. Um, uh, so yeah, I actually really enjoyed that. I felt, um, I felt really good by, by the end of it. Uh, day one was, was challenging. Uh, this is actually much earlier in my, in my fasting journey. So I wasn't even used to a 24 hour fast. So that, that first 24 hours was tougher. Um, but by the end I, I felt pretty smooth. Um, and it's definitely, it's a popular, um, uh, it's becoming a popular health intervention to occasionally do longer fasts, like three to five days. Um, part of this is fueled by, uh, Walter Longo's research. Um, he's the, he's the scientist behind Prolon, which is the fasting mimicking, uh, diet. Um, that's a pretty popular thing. And uh, basically, there's a lot of research in in other animals showing some some benefits um, to overall like cancer risk in your lifetime by even just a single extended fast. Um, and, and the primary mechanisms there are like autophagy and mitophagy. So it's basically like um, the body is taking the crappy tissue um, that uh, you know that it, that's keeping around, and in that sort of starving condition, it's taking that tissue and breaking it apart using those components to to create uh, new tissue. Um, so, um, yeah, autophagy is basically that, that breakdown of, of, of less optimal tissue for use as, as fuel and building blocks. Um, and mitophagy is the same thing, but for, for mitochondria. Um, so, yeah, that's, it's a pretty potent um, intervention. Uh, that said, you know, if you're going to do it, definitely talk to a doctor, uh, you know, do research beforehand, um, be thoughtful. I'm, I'm not recommending that personally. Um, not to, not to say I'm, I'm recommending not to do it, but um, it's... Uh, uh, but li- yeah, LifeStax is, is more concerned with supporting the daily intermittent fasting habit. So, um, and pretty much across the board, it's safe not to eat for, for 12 to 16 hours. There might be a few exceptions, but that's something we can say with, with, with high confidence. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Some of these more extreme longer fasts there, like obviously, you know, consult a doctor, healthcare professional. Um, I never heard of the, the Prolon uh, diet there. I'll have to, uh, um, look more into it. Um, but just really quick, have you, it kind of makes me think of another type of, I guess, diet intervention, if you will. Have you ever heard of, um, protein sparing modified fasts? Yeah, I, I, I'm not positive. I've heard it, um, term that like that, but I, I know you're talking about, um, like 
like grams of protein or less per day for a few days in a row? Um, actually, no. Well, there there are protein fasts. No, this is um, this is something that I uh, I came across last, well, early this year, and experimented with myself. But it's actually it, and it, and it kind of goes back into what we were saying about like preserving your lean muscle tissue. And it, and it basically is fasting. There's there's a little bit of fat, and there's and it's there's basically virtually no carbs, but the protein sparing part of it is you eat enough protein to basically preserve your, your lean muscle tissue. But it's, 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 and it's actually, it's medically studied and it's, it's for a lot of people who, um, go into bariatric surgery there. It's, it's, I think in the medical community, it's, it's, it's sometimes referred to as the, uh, the last, the last resort diet there. It's like literally like your last chance to get rid of body fat before, you know, doing some of these extreme interventions. But um, I came across it um, because people who who do weight cloth, weight class sports like powerlifting, jujitsu, um, again, not advocating that anyone should try this. It's <laughs> I did it and it was it was pretty miserable, <laughs> but I did it under my own control. And yeah, it was, you know, obviously was safe and hung as it about it. but. Um, people who are, who are basically, yeah, weight class athletes here who need to cut extremes amount, extreme amounts of weight. Well, we'll do it for like a one or two week period to like drop, not just the whatever water weight there, but their actual body fat to get into like a lower, uh, weight class. But yeah, it's, it was, it was an interesting, I guess, unlike your experience there with the, the longer fast there, I did not feel great (laughs) at the end of it. is my point. Um, and again, you talk about like willpower there. Like it was, it was tough. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. Um, so I, okay. I had it backwards. Uh, this is, um, this is, uh, 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 cut everything else besides the protein, um, which is interesting. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, well, this is sort of, um, I guess two things. It's interesting that you can basically do interventions on either side of, um, of, uh, you know, uh, uh, any given, um, stimulus. So maybe, um, for example, like, hot and cold or restricting carbs or restricting fat, um, you know, cutting out protein or, 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 or having more of it. Um, and how it looks like there's sometimes evidence on both sides, um, that these interventions are positive. Like, um, even, um, even going carnivore or going vegan can both, um, can both have, you know, immediate positive impacts. Um, and so, uh, you know, how does that, how does that work exactly? Um, I think part of it is that like, you just, you just throw crap at the body that it has to adapt to. Um, and as long as it's for a short enough period, that stressor is something that you can actually respond to. Um, now, what, you run into trouble if you're doing something that ultimately isn't sustainable. So, you know, it's a stressful intervention. You might actually feel good for a couple of days as your as your cortisol and adrenaline are elevated. Um, but then, if it's depleting you slowly, then you're going to be tired and and start to drag. So, um, yeah, I think it's you know really um, the body's really robust. Like it it does just you know, there isn't one diet, there isn't one lifestyle. Um, you know, it's, there's not one macronutrient mix or anything like that. Um, not even a source of, of any given nutrient that's, that's optimal. Um, but the, the key thing is just to make sure that you, you know, the, the conditions for sustaining equilibrium over time are met. Um, so if you're going to restrict something, then make sure that you're not restricting that permanently in a way that's going to cause uh, negative consequences. Love it. I, I feel like that was, that was a great way to kind of sum up like, yeah, there is no like, perfect one size fits all, um, you know, solution to anything. And, and, you know, I think that's kind of what, uh, I appreciate, appreciate about people like you is like, you kind of take that to heart and, you know, you've done, you know, you've had your own experience and you're, you know, 
giving the world something that they can use there, but also like encouraging that curiosity and open-mindedness and going back to what we said in the in the beginning there empowerment there like we all can make decisions there but um yeah i guess anything else that you want to kind of just bring up or mention yeah uh well we've covered a lot of a lot of ground here um so uh, i also feel you know pretty pretty solid about all these different tangents and um uh um i guess uh, there's so many different things that i could bring up but i don't want to take us down another uh another path here um maybe back to uh empowerment and lifestyle um and sort of um maybe a frameworks approach um you know we've all heard of uh maslow's hierarchy of of needs uh where we've got these basic needs we need to meet and and you know etc um up the hierarchy until we've got like the deepest most important things for for people um you know uh meaning um meaningful social engagement um basically I think, uh, you know, basically what we're, what we're doing at LifeStacks and what I actually hope everybody takes away from, from this conversation and all of their exploration into, into sort of health and wellness is we're ultimately looking to bring back habits, implement habits that we enjoy doing that contribute positively to uh, overall well-being in a way that supports our pursuit of meaningful engagement. So, you know, I, I think uh, getting engaged, you know, feeling engaged by the habits themselves is really nice. And as a runner, I, I know that um, the fitness pursuit itself can be a big, you know, part of meaningful engagement. Um, but, um, and so, you know, it's not to say you have to do something grand or, you know, have, have some really high, high paying, high stress uh, job or whatever. Um, you know, you can definitely have projects that, that sustain you. But, I, I, you know, I, I guess as we think about health in general and nutrition specifically, um, really it's, I think the key is to look for habits that add energy to your days so that you can do what matters to you. Um, and so if something is just draining and hard to sustain, then it's probably not the right habit for the long run. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, I mean, life is life is uh, very fragile and very and very precious there. And yeah, if it's not bringing you any sort of fulfillment or self-actualization, I guess we could say, kind of mentioning uh, Maslow, Maslow there, <laughs> um, then yeah, don't don't do it. Find find something else that speaks to you is, is what I would say. For sure. Awesome. Yeah. I, on that note, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, we are, um, well, you know, we, we designed uh, our uh, MCT product and every product we do from here on um, also to basically support support daily functioning and, and willpower, make it easier to do what you love to do. So if you're interested, you can head over to lifestacks.com. Uh, we're doing a try it before you buy it offer. So basically you can add it to cart. Uh, it will ship to you for free. And if you like it, you can keep it um, and then you pay. And if not, you send it back. And our thinking there is basically, we know people love the product when they have it. And so we want to make it really easy to try. Awesome. I love it. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is I obviously we've talked a lot about your, you know, life stacks itself and everything. So perfect. I love that. Um, and, and thank you for that, that offer there to uh, my listeners. Um, and I guess, you know, so lifestacks.com. And then beyond that, um, as far as social media or any other ways, like if people want to uh, learn more about yourself or Lifestacks um, or just connect with you, like where can they find you? Yeah. Um, so I, you, uh, on Instagram, we're Lifestacks Performance. Um, I personally don't uh, have any sort of social media or post anywhere or anything like that, um, just for my own sanity. Uh, so 
but you, if, if, you know, if you want, you can email me at Zach, uh, that's with a K, Z-A-C-K at lifestacks.com. Yeah. Good for you for staying away from social media there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so awesome. Okay. So, well, Zach, thank you so much again for, uh, being on the show today. And just, like I said, nerding out with me about all things, supplements, fasting, uh, nutrition, and all the other extra stuff that we got into. It's, it's been, it's been a real pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, Bridget. It was fun. Hey, really quick, before you go, I need you to do one thing for me. If there was something in this episode that you think would be of value to someone else, please share it for me. My goal is to empower as many people as possible on their health and fitness journeys. And one of the best ways to do it is to share awesome information like what you heard in today's episode out with many others. So do me a favor, copy and paste that link, send it to one of your friends, your family, or anyone who you think would get some enjoyment and value out of this. I appreciate you for listening. I'll see you next time.